I'm Ainsley Earhart. I'm Brett Baer. I'm Katie Pavlich, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, April 22nd, 2020. I'm Trey Yinks. Coronavirus has killed more than 180,000 people around the world, ripping families apart. Today, we go inside a coronavirus intensive care unit. Uh, you can't come to the, to the family and uh, hug them and talk to them because we usually do that. We even shed a tear. It's, it's, it's a burden also on us. And here, we don't have this uh, opportunity. This is the Fox News Rundown, global pandemic. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. We had the opportunity today to go inside the Tel Aviv Medical Center's intensive care unit for coronavirus patients and see what doctors, nurses, and technicians are doing on a daily basis to try to save lives amid this outbreak. More than 170,000 people have died. And the difficult part here for families around the world is that they can't be with patients during their last moments. So this hospital is doing everything that it can to try to connect families with patients. One example today, when we were inside this intensive care unit, a nurse actually had her phone and she used FaceTime to allow a patient who was just waking up to talk with his wife and kids. And this patient hadn't previously opened his eyes. And then when he heard the voices of his family he was able to open his eyes and acknowledge them. And it was, a, it was a beautiful moment. And you could hear his daughter repeating over to him in Hebrew, Dad, if you want to come home, you have to be strong. Dad, if you want to come home, you have to be strong. There was another case down the hall of a 22-year-old patient struggling to breathe. You could see his chest sporadically rising and falling. He's a few years younger than me, but he has the frame of an NFL player. I mean, this guy was strong-looking. He looked healthy but he was fighting for his life. He had just returned from the United States. He was with friends in Miami and all of them got COVID-19, but he was the only one who ended up in critical care. So doctors are hopeful, but they're uncertain he'll survive. But another humanizing story amid that, the head nurse there, her name was Iris. She told us this story about that 22 year old's mother coming to the hospital just yesterday with a tray of cookies that she had baked for the staff, helpless. She just wanted to do something to help these staff members out as they tried to keep her son alive. And it was these small moments amid all of this chaos, disease, and sickness that stood out to me most. So not only are these doctors and nurses providing medical treatment, they're also providing mental health treatment, trying to calm these people who are worried about dying. And so when we went into this intensive care unit today, every step you take, you have to be careful and it is planned out. You go basically into an isolation area where you're escorted by a nurse. The door closes behind you. This is once you have all of the personal protective equipment on. And then you go into the ward where all of these infected patients are at. And just watching the way these doctors and nurses interact is... It's humanizing. It's haunting in many ways, but but also humanizing because you see them talking to people who aren't conscious, but treating them as if they were a friend at a coffee shop, trying to calm them and just remind them that they aren't alone. And that is one of the most difficult 
parts, as you'll hear from not only the medical workers, but the families, is that most coronavirus patients die alone. So there are very few cases where hospitals will allow families to see the patients. One example is if they are on their deathbed about to pass away, they will allow two family members to come inside and say their goodbyes and maybe offer a prayer. First, we're going to hear from Professor Hai Mayan, who is the head of the coronavirus critical care unit at Sheba Medical Center. He spoke to us outside of a parking garage that was converted into a critical care unit for coronavirus patients. Well, we are treating uh, patients with uh, severe corona infection. All of them are intubated and uh, with mechanical ventilation. And um, they are in a very critical state. Uh, we have been, we have had uh, around 25 patients. Now we have uh, today 15 patients. Um, most of our patients are still alive. Uh, five of them died, and uh, we really hope that the death toll will be lower than is expected from this disease. What are some of the ways that you are treating patients? We've seen a lot of uh, talk of hydroxychloroquine and other drugs. What are some of the experiments at this point that you are trying on patients? Well, uh, the patients here are uh, mostly after a very long time of the disease. So part of the medicines that are, uh, are thought to be active against the virus or against the, what is called cytokine storm yeah, is not relevant for them. Um, they are far beyond that. So actually what we do, we try to give the best ICU treatment, the usual best ICU treatment that, that we can give. Um, some of them are, we have three, we had five patients on ECMO. Uh, we do dialysis and we try to, um, to wait with those treatments till the lungs get better. And it's a very, very long process. Some of them uh, succumb to uh, infection, uh, bacterial infections. Um, and uh, this is one of the greatest problems that we have with them. What are some of the other challenges that you're facing? This is such a unique disease. So like you and I have talked about, oftentimes you are doing all you can. And like you said, pulling out all the stops in an effort to try to save lives. Yes, uh, well, it's, um, as I said, this disease is a tsunami and we feel like in a tsunami. Uh, I'm a doctor for 35 years and I haven't seen such a disease that in one day lungs that seem normal or a slight pneumonia become white lungs, both of them with the patients uh, almost dying because of hypoxemia. And this is, uh, I haven't seen it before. I've seen patients with uh, influenza uh, in grave situations, but it was never like that. And the fact that we have to um, ventilate them for such a long time is also unique to this disease. And the uh, complications during the waiting time is, are also unique to this uh, disease. Um, the literature now is full of uh, many types of uh, medications, uh, but actually there isn't even one good study 
that will le- let us um, believe in any of those drugs. What has been the most difficult part for you? Uh, the most difficult part is, there are a few difficult parts. First, the families. The families are not allowed to be inside because of the danger for them. And um, we are used to have families with our patients because they participate in the treatment of the patient. And the patients also, of course, need them. And here we don't have it. We, I, I spend every day, and my colleagues spend every day around five hours, three to five hours, uh, talking to the family through the phone. And it's not the same as, of course, uh, face-to-face talk or with the patients. Uh, but we des- I decided, uh, together with the hosp- uh, people in the hospital, to um, let uh, the families inside, or delegates of the families, uh, when the patient is going to die. And uh, we've done it in the f- last few d- days uh, with three patients. Uh, we were wrong in two patients. They didn't, they didn't die. But it was one of the nadirs of the disease. So we called the, the families, and the families were so happy. You've been listening to Professor Haimayan, the head of the Corona Critical Care Unit at Sheba Medical Center. We'll be right back. Now to Noy Koster. She is the coronavirus social worker at the Tel Aviv Medical Center. She's the person responsible for speaking with the families of patients who are in intensive care. For me, it's amazing that I have the opportunity to suggest the family uh, the option to come and say goodbye uh, after sometimes two months and maybe more uh, that they didn't saw them uh, because of the isolation. Uh, it's hard for everyone, this crisis, uh, but when one of your members ill, it's much harder. Um, take me through, uh, obviously, protecting the patient identity, but through one of these experiences. I mean, what is it like? The patient's families will come here and they'll suit up to go inside? Okay. Um, it, can do, it can happen during the day or maybe in the middle of the night. Um, I get a phone call from one of the doctors that explained that the condition uh, of uh, one of the patients get really worse and they want to tell this to the family. So next step, they will call the family explain them. Um, I do want to say before that I uh, have a contact with the family members during all of the hospitalized. So they know me, they have my phone number. Um, and after they finish the uh, talk with the doctor, uh, I call them. Uh, this part is very emotional because I just uh, figure out that uh, the, the, the loved one, a very bad uh, condition, um, and I suggest them to come here uh, for the last goodbye. Unfortunately, we allow just for two people. I think it's better than nothing, but um, they need to choose who, who will come to say goodbye. This disease affects a wide range of people. I mean, even now there's a 22-year-old being treated and uh, elderly. Is there a, a moment that stands out over this past few weeks to you with a certain family or something that really stands out in your mind as difficult to experience? Okay. Um, the most difficult part is the, in the routine, it's to see the connection between the, the family and the patient. And now we can see it uh, during the time. So we start with records that we put the sick people here, records from the family, and to hear the family that uh, speak to them 
uh, and encourage them. It's very emotional. And when you see family enter here, enter to the department, and you can see them through this uh, uh, TV, you can't even breathe because you imagine what they're going through until now. Uh, and then there is a moment when they can touch him, pray, uh, say how much they love them. Um, I, I don't think there is any words that can explain. I also asked the professor, who is heading the coronavirus unit at the Sheba Medical Center, how difficult it was for him losing a colleague. And I have had uh, at least one patient who was very close to me, he was a colleague. And actually he, he finished his residency when I started my residency in the 80s. And uh, I met him a few times later and he was a very, a very good person. And he died in my ward. And it was very difficult. It was a very difficult moment for me and for all the staff. You were talking about how he wanted you to make the decision to put him on a ventilator. Um, you, you talked about that final conversation with him, and this doctor wanted you to make the decision to put him on a ventilator. Uh, what was that conversation like? Well, actually, he, he was so dyspneic and uh, hypoxemic that he asked us, he asked her to ventilate him, but he wanted um, the assurance of a few doctors that he relied on, and one of them was me. And uh, through the robot, we have a robot that we can communicate with uh, the staff and the patients. Uh, I talked to him, and he allowed us to, uh, to ventilate him, to intubate him. And um, when a patient, any patient, but uh, particularly someone that you know and are treating, um, passes away, you then have to notify the family. Yes, um, it's uh, we had to. Yes, we notify the pa the family. It's uh, the problem is that it's done through the phone. Uh, you can't come to the to the family and uh, hug them and talk to them because we usually do that. Uh, we even shed a tear uh, because we are very. Um, it's 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 a burden also on us. Um, uh, and here we don't have this uh, opportunity, uh, so uh, it is quite tough to tell through the phone your husband, your father died, and uh, but uh, but we do it because there is n isn't any other person to do that, only us. Professor, thank you for for all that you're doing uh, for humans, and thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.